This message was recorded during a Cornerstone U class given at Cornerstone Church of Knoxville. All right, well, let's go ahead and get started. Good morning, everyone. Thanks for, uh, for being here on this rainy, rainy morning. So here we come to the end of uh, this term of Cornerstone U, uh, the end of this class, Real Change. Um, I really hope that during the course of this, uh, it served to help you be um, envisioned for the idea that, that every Christian is being made into the image of Christ in our thoughts and in our emotions and our desires and our spiritual strength even. Um, I hope that you're beginning to see that the, the joys and the trials and the tribulations, uh, all of your successes and failures, all of the circumstances of your life, those things serve as the context uh, for, for God making you to be more like Christ. I hope that you're envisioned for the idea that, that your life can be changed and that, and that it is our Heavenly Father's desire for that exact thing. So recall again what we said at the outset, 2 Corinthians 3.18, and we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image, from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. So we behold the glory of the Lord, and we're being transformed into that image, one degree at a time. And that is, that's a very exciting thing to think about. And it changes the way we think about our lives if we think in terms of everything that's transpiring in our lives has something to do with that. God isn't wasting anything. Anything that you face, anything that you experience in your life, anything that you're going through has something to do with transforming you into the image of Christ. So uh, we hope that you're better able to see uh, your circumstances, better able to see your sins, better able to see your failures uh, in a more biblical way. Uh, that, that our sins and our failures especially, these aren't these insurmountable or condemning things, um, but they're just the kind of thing that we should expect uh, from someone who's in process. We've, we haven't gotten to glory yet. Um, but, we're, but we're heading in that direction. So our failures along the way shouldn't be something that should condemn us, but neither should they be something that surprises us. I sinned, surprise, surprise. I failed, surprise, surprise. I'm, I'm being made into perfection. I'm not there yet. Uh, and so I don't need to be condemned over the, these things. I don't need to see them as insurmountable things. I need to see them as things that God is working on and changing. Um, he's highlighting where I'm to be made different into the image of his son. And probably the greatest thing of all uh, that we hope that this class provides is, is a greater appreciation for the, for the cross of Christ. Uh, the tree that, that deals decisively with our sins and opens the door for lives that can be different, uh, lives that, that exhibit real change. Okay, so 
wanted to begin with that introduction and, and a bit of a recap of the three trees uh, as, we've, as we've gone through it thus far. Uh, so if you, if you have that three trees diagram from way back when, great. If you don't, uh, there's, there's room on the back of the eight questions thing. You can, you can draw pictures with me as we go. Uh, but, but we want to take a look again uh, a little bit at this uh, snapshot uh, of, of our hearts and the potential um, of ways where we can respond to this life. Uh, okay, so lesson one we began with, we said, first of all, all right, there's already a challenge, a pen that doesn't really work. We said there is heat. Uh, there just isn't any uh, escaping this idea. Um, everything uh, that we experience in this life should be seen as heat in some form or another. This heat can be good stuff, it can be pleasant stuff, it can be hard stuff. Uh, so it's what, what we're talking about when we talk about heat is there is something outside of us that we find ourselves being uh, exposed to, uh, something that we find ourselves in the midst of, uh, either pleasant or difficult. And, and what we want to remember, again, is that the Lord is sovereign over all of these things, and he intends to use all of these things to reveal our hearts and our need for his grace. Okay, so heat can come down, and heat can uh, be something that, uh, that results in a poor little um, shrub there in the desert growing up, and it's just kind of doing nothing but producing thorns and, and what, what, uh, whatever else. It's, it's not thriving. It's, it's there experiencing heat, and the best it can do is just be prickly. That's, that's, about, that's about it. That is a picture of our hearts apart from God's grace. Um, on our own, our flesh just isn't capable of honoring God. Uh, left to ourselves, our motivation is always towards self. Um, and when we serve ourselves, it usually doesn't go well. Uh, our our self-serving is usually at the expense of others and God's glory, uh, which causes problems. Uh, thorns are prickly. They, they hurt other people. However, because of this most important tree, uh, things can be different. Uh, because of the gospel, we have potential for something else. We have potential now to love God and our neighbor. Uh, we have um, the opportunity to be freed from the burden uh, and condemnation of our sins and empowered with the living water uh, that, that flows from this uh, to, to a life that's, that's something else. Um, this living water made possible uh, by the, the cross of Christ and because that living water resides within us, we now say uh, there's a power available. We're not, we're not slaves to just being left out in the dry uh, anymore. 
there's actually a potential for something new in our lives. Now, just to say that we have the cross of Christ available and that makes all the difference doesn't mean that just because we become Christians um, that we're not going to still respond to life sinfully at times. Uh, that's why this, this three trees picture is not a once-for-all singular kind of event. Uh, that is to say, used to be in my life, there was heat and I responded uh, like a thorn bush, but then I became a Christian and now, uh, because I'm a Christian, uh, I'm this wonderful fruit tree. That's not what we're saying here. Uh, what we're saying is this is, not a, this is not a picture of our justification, which is a once for all kind of thing that says, uh, look, when, when, um, when the Holy Spirit of God brings our hearts uh, to, to life to be able to respond to the gospel, the gospel affects us and we are declared righteous before God. End of story. It's a, it's a one-time thing. When we are regenerate and we respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ, we are declared righteous. We are justified. It's a one-time, it's done. This, this is a snapshot picture of how we can respond to life in the midst of our sanctification, which is a process. So today... I may find the heat of somebody cutting in front of me in traffic. And I may uh, disregard the Holy Spirit of God that's uh, residing within me, calling upon me to respond in a godly way. And I may shake my fist and curse out at the person who cut me off in traffic. Okay? I'm still a Christian, but I responded as a thorn bush in that moment. Uh, what, this, what this says is, because of this, the potential exists that I'm going to encounter these heat moments more like that. So this is, a, this is kind of a, a, a snapshot picture of the potential of your heart in any moment. As the heat changes, our responses change, you know, and, and as, we, as we grow and mature, the hope is is that our responses informed by this and empowered by this will be more of the fruit tree version. Okay, questions about the difference between justification and sanctification is really, it's really very, very important uh, to keep that in mind. It really is important to know uh, I can be a justified Christian, declared righteous, and yet I'm still in this process of being sanctified to be made more like Christ. Is that, is, that, is that clear enough? Okay. Well, that's, that's pretty much up to date on our class. We jumped a little ahead with, with the fruit tree thing, but so far uh, we've talked about heat at the early on. We talked about responding with thorns. We talked about uh, the cross of Christ. And so now we'll move on and talk about fruit. Uh, and this is an exciting part of the class because now we get to start considering what does it mean or what does it look like to be made more like Christ? What practical ways 
does a life in step with the Holy Spirit get played out? And uh, the text that we want to consider this morning is Galatians 5, verses 16 through 25, which really is a description of this life. So Galatians 5. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these, you can keep adding to the list. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Real quick little very important uh, phrase that, that Paul throws in there that'd be easy to kind of gloss over if we aren't careful. Uh, and what he says, if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. Real important to keep that in mind. This is not about the strength of my will in adhering to some law. This is not, this is not something that I make myself better by being a law abider. You know, if you would only just give me the rules, I'll follow the rules and be good. That's kind of what the Pharisees taught all the time. and It's kind of what Jesus came to blow up. He said, that's not how it works. It's not it at all. I'm not, God doesn't say, let me lay on you the burden of making yourself better and adhering to my holiness. What God says is, I'm giving you the law to show you that you can't do it on your own. The law, the great purpose of the law is to say, wow, there's a whole lot of list of things that I ought to do in order to be in line with God's righteousness and holiness, and it turns out I can't do it. And so it leaves me saying, I need a savior. And so that's what Paul is saying is, look, if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. That's not what's going on here. What Paul is saying is, this led by the Spirit, this being fed by this living waters that come from the cross of Christ, the Holy Spirit residing within you, it's no longer a matter of law. It's a matter of your heart is being transformed by the grace of God. God is changing you and making you more like his son so that as you mature and become more like Christ, you notice I'm not doing this as much. But it's not because, oh, I finally got the list of do's and don'ts and so I can obey them. 
It's because God's doing a work in my heart because of his gospel that's turning me into something different. I'm responding to life differently. It's not because I'm under the law. It's because the Holy Spirit of God resides within me and I'm walking in step with him. Okay? Important, important distinction. Whenever we start talking about how our lives uh, should um, agree with the character of God, it's real easy to make the mistake of falling into kind of a legalistic understanding that says, well, if I want to be right with God, I just need to follow the rules better. And if I follow the rules better, God would like me better. This is, this is saying no. <laughs> That's not how it works. The way it works is God says, let me reveal to you my character. And when I reveal to you my character, you will see how much you need my help. And I'm eager to give you my help. I'm sending my son to pay for all your sins and make you right with me. And then I'm sending my spirit to empower and to change you so that you will be made into this character that I've, that I've revealed. Now that I can do. The first one I cannot do. The first one will only lead me to despair. The second one that opens the door for hope for my life. All right, so first thing we want to talk about when we're, when we're talking about fruit is we want to talk about the power behind the fruit. We've already alluded to this somewhat. So let's, let's first talk about power. Uh, walk by the Spirit, Paul says. Uh, so in the end, we got to admit that apart from the Spirit's empowering presence, we will remain that thorny bush in the desert. Uh, but because of the cross of Christ, we have access to a power that we did not have access to before. So important to note that we do need his help. It's very encouraging also to consider that we need his help. If it were simply up to me, I would get discouraged. My flesh can't do this on its own. And how do I know this? Uh, because I've lived for 55 years. <laughs> and, in, and in the past couple of years, I've been doing a lot of like uh, home renovation projects. And you talk about exposing sin in someone's life. Woo! So <laughs> uh, I, I realize just how far I need to go and how encouraging it is to know that um, it's not just up to me because I see how weak I am. Uh, so how encouraging to know that uh, I need his help and he promises his help. Uh, there is a power and a help available for me and so that allows me to think about what's possible for me. And secondly, it's important to remember and affirm that we need the Spirit's help uh, really because we're talking about this is a matter of worship. He is giving us something amazing. Uh, if you think about what God has said is let me take up residence within you and give you grace so that you can have a life that's different. That, that's an amazing thing that he has given us. And, uh, and in gratitude, we want to 
uh, make sure that we're not overlooking that and failing to give him thanks. So real good to remember uh, th this idea of power, that we, that we need him, uh, and when we recognize that, it's, it encourages us uh, and it also allows us to worship. All right, uh, so that's power. Next is, is uh, the fruit itself. So what are some of these things that he gives us that we might find in our lives? Um, if he is present in us, what he does is he reveals himself by the fruit that he gives us. So the fruit of the Spirit can therefore kind of be thought of like clues to the Spirit's presence. So you, you can say, huh, I just loved someone. That is the Holy Spirit of God residing within me, working in me and through me. Huh, I'm experiencing joy. That's the Holy Spirit of God residing within me, working in and through me, and so forth. You can go through the whole list, and all of these things would say, are there clues that say to me that, that the Holy Spirit resides within me? Yes, I can see these things along the way. Now, it's, it's easy, I think, to kind of miss the point a little bit about some of this fruit of the Spirit stuff. Um, you know, so for example, you'll, you'll hear us pray for joy a lot around here, and that's, and that's good. Um, but think about it for a moment. Be, be careful. What are we really praying for? Are we just praying for the gift, or are we praying for the one who gives the gift? What's more important the clue to his presence or his presence. So the most, most important reason that we want things like peace and joy is not simply because we find it pleasant to be peaceful and joyful, but although of course, you know, that, that is pleasant. The most important reason that we want things like this is because those things serve as evidence that God is at work in us, making us more like Christ. Because if you go through the list of the fruit of the Spirit there in Galatians 5, isn't that a remarkable description of Jesus' character? Read the fruit of the Spirit. That's Jesus. That's what he's like. And so I don't want to separate the idea of being made into his image from the list of the fruits. I don't want to just say, well, I'd like more joy and peace and so forth. And I'd like to be a kinder person and whatever else. And just think about that separate from, no, what I really want is I want to be made into the image of Christ. You remember that, that uh, what we talked about on, on the first week of this class, the implication of our being made into the image of Christ, of us having our character transformed into his character. Because who does God the Father love the most? God the Son. And if I'm made into his image, it's because God the Father wants to pour out his love on me just like he does his Son. Right now, there's aspects of my character that are different than Jesus' character. 
and those serve as impediments to my experiencing communion with the Father. What if all those impediments were removed? What if my character were made just like Christ? There'd be no impediment to receiving the love of God just poured out lavishly on me. And that's God's intention for us. That's what we read in Romans 8 when it says that we are going to be made into the image of Christ so that he would be the firstborn of many brothers and sisters who are made like him. We're going to join him, our brother, and receive the love of the Father in the same way that he does. Whoa! Whoa! So I don't just want to say, I'd like to have more joy in my life. God, give me joy. I don't want to think that superficially. I want to be thinking in terms of, God, give me your Holy Spirit. Pour out your Holy Spirit in me so that I would overflow with the evidence that he's at work within me to include joy, to include peace, to include kindness, gentleness, self-control, faithfulness, all those things. Let me see the fruit of the Spirit in my life so that I will know the Holy Spirit of God is residing within me and He is transforming me. Does that make sense? Track with that? All right. That, I think, is the most important thing to think about with this fruit. And then the last thing that we want to briefly touch on is that there's mystery associated with with all of this. You know, we think about being these fruit-producing trees, and, and we, we would all recognize and, and uh, agree that it's by His power and presence that we can even produce the fruit. But there's still an aspect of it being our responsibility to produce fruit. So Paul kind of commands us there at the end of Galatians 5, let us also keep in step with the Spirit, says Paul. The life of faith is not something that we conjure up, but neither is it something that's just passive. So <clears throat> sometimes theologians will, will talk about uh, our justification being made right with God as a, as a monergistic thing. Only one party in this is doing the work. Mono, one, erg means work, so monergistic. One party is doing the work. But with our sanctification, theologians will talk about it being synergistic. Sin, together, ergos, work, uh, working together. There's an aspect of us saying, let us make sure that we are taking up our responsibility uh, because we understand that both God and myself um, are, are, have parts to play in this. Now that's, that's mysterious. <laughs> if, if God provides the grace and the power for me to be changed, then what do I have to do with that? Uh, but the, isn't that kind of the same sort of question as kind of like, well, you know, if God is sovereign, what difference does it make if I pray? He's just gonna do what he wants to do, right? But really, 
there's a beautiful part of this mystery in all the questions like that. To stop and think how amazing it is that God would include me in his great work. How incredible to think that the glory of God that can exist in our lives is something that we're privileged to be a part of. How wonderful it is to see the dignity and the significance and the purpose of our lives, therefore. Wow, I'm, I get to partake in God's glory being demonstrated in the world. Could my life become more significant than that? No, and so it matters what I do. It matters, um, it matters how I walk this life out. It matters uh, that I want to be thinking in terms of let me keep in step with the Spirit. The example I used earlier of, of uh, getting cut off in traffic, um, there, is that, there is that small voice back there that is, that is asking and, and, and showing uh, how, how God would have me respond graciously. I'm walking in step with the Spirit says something along the lines of, help me, God, to pay attention to that more. Let me slow down and pay attention to what it is that you're saying. It's so easy for me just to hear my flesh. It's so easy to miss what the Holy Spirit of God is saying. But I want to be someone who pays more attention. <laughs> Help me pay more attention to what the Spirit of God is saying. All right, so it matters what we do. Um, I, I want to take up my responsibility even in this mysterious thing. Uh, and praise God that he would include me in his great work in my life. Okay, so here's our, here's our three trees diagram. Now when you, when you look at that, um, there's, there's one other thing that I wanna point out is that, is that um, when, you, when you look at the fruit on this blessed tree, it is, it is uh, representative of the character of Jesus. Um, but I, but I, want you to, I want you to think in terms of, of uh, every aspect of that fruit really does represent glorifying God. So again, we can, we can think wrongly if we're not careful about, about this fruit. You know, we can say, God, give me joy. And if we're not careful, we can just stop right there and say, because I want to be joyful. Because when I'm joyful, life is more pleasant. <laughs> or we can go further and say, I want there to be more joy in my life because when there is, it glorifies you, Lord. Every time the fruit of the Spirit gets put on display, there's something about the character of Jesus, the character of God that's being put on display. 
Now you know why the Lord over and over and over in the Scriptures would command us to be joyful. Because His glory is at stake. He would say, it doesn't really represent me very well for you to be walking around morose, downtrodden, (laughs) glum-faced. Instead, it proclaims me. It, it puts my character on display when you walk through this life in a particular kind of way. And so, um, yes, we are being made into the image of Christ so that the love of the Father will be poured out upon us unhindered. But also, we want the fruit of the Spirit in our lives so that we proclaim the glory of God. And that's what, that's what glorifying God always means through the scriptures. You, you, you read through the Old Testament, uh, the glory of God, it's always about God's character being put on display somehow. So it's a giant rumbling mountain, this flames and everything else, it's putting on, on display the power of God. Uh, you, you have the, the, the pillar of fire at night or the towering cloud that was leading the, the Israelites. It's putting on display God's character himself to say, I'm present with you and this is something of what I'm like. I'm a beacon. I provide light. I'm powerful. Now all the times, whenever you get these manifestations uh, of, of, of God doing things. He's putting on display something of his character. So for us to say we are glorifying God, what we're saying is, I am putting on display something of God's character with my life. And that's what the fruit of the Spirit allows for. All right. Last topic. The lifestyle that this that this would produce. Um, there, there are practical applications for our lives uh, that this model really, really does offer. Uh, there's a lifestyle to be gained uh, from thinking about and applying what Jeremiah 17 uh, has, has uh, described. Um, we really can live like thorn bushes, ignoring the grace of God, um, or we can live more like these verdant fruit trees Uh, watered and fed by the living waters that the gospel has won for us. So, um, first of all, practical application is how we think about change. Uh, We want to think about our lives differently. We want to think this way. We want to think in terms of our lives actually being changed and what that process looks like. We want to think in terms of sometimes I respond this way, but the gospel of Jesus Christ promises me that there may be power for me to to respond differently. So if this model is true, we can't say as Christians, I'm just stuck in something that can't change. If we're not careful, we're going to be making statements of unbelief there that God doesn't have power to make things different. 
And we don't, we don't want to go there. We want to be thinking in terms instead of this is what it's like. This is how sometimes I respond. But because of the gospel, it's possible for me to respond like this. This really does exist. There really are streams of living water available to me that water me and, and nourish me and give me grace so that I can respond differently uh, to this life. So um, it leaves us not, no longer perplexed about how uh, God might be at work in our lives. It leaves us with the practical uh, understanding that there's nothing going on in our lives that's inconsequential or meaningless. Um, God is actively involved in giving us real choices to make for every aspect of our lives if we keep this idea in mind. If we really do think this is how I get changed, this is what it looks like, uh, that makes a difference in how we think and uh, it will make difference, a difference in the choices that we make uh, along the way. Um, we, we may not be able to understand all of the things exhaustively, but we, we sure have been given an awful lot to work with uh, with, this, with this picture. And, um, and I think that there's, there's something uh, really powerful and uh, practical and helpful if in the midst of whatever I'm facing, I stop and think again about this three trees. If I stop and think, this is what, this is what it looks like for my life and how I respond to what I'm going through, uh, that can make a very practical and real difference. Because God really does want us to grow up. He really does want us to change. And he's just not wasting anything in our lives uh, to that end. Uh, we don't want to be uh, left as little children just being tossed in, uh, to and fro by, by everything going on in our lives. We want to grow up uh, to maturity, uh, to, to bear the fruit of the Spirit, to bear uh, Christ's image, and to glorify God uh, in our lives. And the other, the other practical application uh, that I want to leave with you is uh, this thing that's part of the handout there, this, this eight questions. Now, while this doesn't really give you kind of a step-by-step -step guide of how change occurs, the eight questions kind of encapsulates uh, what, what that would look like. So I want to briefly touch on those. And so you, you can face any kind of circumstance in your life and just walk through this, this process. So question number one, what's going on? That, that seems like an obvious one, um, but sometimes we need to slow down and analyze what's actually happening, remembering that nothing that's going on in my life is meaningless or inconsequential. None of it is irrelevant in God's sovereignty. Okay, so what really is occurring in this, in this situation? What, what, is, what is this heat that I'm facing right now? Secondly, how did I respond? You know, what, when, I was, when I was faced with this, was it just a knee-jerk reaction? How did I respond to this thing? What, what kind of thoughts, emotions, and whatever else uh, did I experience? And is, is that typical for me? You know, I want to I ask, when, when the heat comes, 
How do I respond? Now, when we, when we ask how do I respond, oftentimes what that reveals is that reveals something about what I really, really want. <clears throat> so if, if we go back to my getting cut off in traffic uh, example again, uh, and I get cut off and, um, and I respond poorly and I shake my fist and I curse the other driver and whatever else, um, I can sit and say, how did I respond? Okay, what did I really want in that, in that moment? You know, I, maybe, I wanted, uh, maybe I wanted the comfort and ease of not having to respond to somebody else. Maybe uh, I felt so self-important that I didn't want somebody in front of me as I was going on to my important meeting. Whatever the case may be, I'm thinking very highly of myself. What is it that, that says me being inconvenienced, what does that reveal? Oftentimes it reveals, wow, I think very highly of myself. I think I'm really important. And who in the world has the right to get in my way? Uh, so this can be very, very revealing. And then, after I think about these things, how did I respond, what did I really want in that, then I can say, and how did that work out for me? <laughs> did, that, did that help anything? You know, uh, did, it, did, it, uh, did, it, did it teach this valuable lesson to the other driver to be a more courteous driver out there? Did, did I really make uh, public safety improve by, by my response? Um, no, what it, what it probably resulted in is that it probably resulted in my wife going, uh, honey, <laughs> what's going on there? You know, what, uh, what's that all about? And, uh, and, and it resulted in my blood pressure going up and it resulted in all kinds of, of things that just didn't help and missed an opportunity to demonstrate something of the character of God. And that's probably the most tragic part. Uh, yeah, my blood pressure goes up, okay. Um, the biggest thing is to say, I had an opportunity in that moment to do something of worship, and I missed it. Dang it! <laughs> that's probably the most disappointing part of all of this. If you go back to like Romans 12 talking about, uh, about our lives, that, that, that everything that we, that we do basically is an opportunity to say to the Lord, this is, I, I offer you myself, my soul, my body, this is my act of spiritual worship. Everything I do with my life, I'm saying to you, Lord, I do this in gratitude and worship of you. Wow, that that we could do that 24 hours a day. <laughs> How wonderful that would be. What a difference our lives would be, uh, would, would be in our lives if that's how we lived our lives. But instead, I just miss those opportunities all the time. And what I want is I want to grow to take advantage of those opportunities more often. And that's where the second half of the eight questions uh, really can help us. So we can go back and we can say, all right, well, what does God say is true about the situation that I'm facing? 
What does he say he's doing in my life? Does he say he's involved in my life? Does he say that it matters what's going on? Does he say that he's interested in, in my character? Does he say that he's working all things for the good of those who love him and called according to his purpose? He says these things. And so God is present in this. And what does God want in the midst of this? What are the kinds of things that he would like for us to be motivated by? What are the kinds of things that he says, this is the kind of stuff that represents my son? These are the kinds of things that that, that he wants us to want. And then, if these are the things that he wants us to want, this fruit of the Spirit, how might I respond in a way that demonstrates that? And then ultimately, question number eight, just a question of great joy, how might that go? (laughs) What would it look like in my life if I responded to life thinking about what God says is true, what he wants, and how I might respond to it. So eight questions is a, is, is a nice little practical way of kind of walking through things. There's, this has great application for personal uh, reflection. It has great application for, for uh, conflict resolution. Um, so... Uh, so there as, as families and friends and, and whatever else are gathered together and conflict arises as, as of course it will, uh, this is a great thing to pull out and say, let's, let's kind of work through this. Let, let's think about this. And as we do, we can be thinking of the big picture that says, even though we may have responded uh, in the first four questions of the eight questions over on this side of the ledger, Because of this, the second four questions is possible in our lives. And we can pray together and help one another uh, call upon the Lord to apprehend his grace that we would be changed. And that can be a wonderful thing that, that turns conflict into this collaboration together of saying, we know that the big picture here is God is making each of us into the image of his son. How can we help each other along those ways? This conflict, the conflict itself, is not really the most interesting thing. The most interesting thing is not what show we wanna watch right now. The most interesting thing is this. We're being moved from here to here. And the conflict only shows this may be an area where God wants to do some work. And so it can be a great revealer. Does that make sense? All right. Eight questions is a a wonderful uh, little tool. All right, so we experience heat. Uh, Apart from God's grace, we produce thorns uh, in that heat. Uh, But by God's grace, we can respond differently by the Spirit's power We can glorify God, love our neighbor, um, 
worship him, put his character on display. And that is pretty cool. All right, amen? Questions? Awesome. Thanks for attending Cornerstone U. You'll get no diploma or any other kind of anything, but <laughs> nonetheless, hope it, hope it served you well. And let's go in and let's worship this gracious God who has said that this is true. You've been listening to a Cornerstone U class given at Cornerstone Church of Knoxville. Cornerstone U exists to have our minds renewed by the Word of God, to see who God is, and to live in light of His Word and Gospel. To find out more about previous Cornerstone U classes, visit us on the web at www.cornerstonechurchofknoxville.com forward slash cornerstone U.